0: Thank you for joining this morning. Practice of being a Just welcome ourselves here. And it's alive for you. Take a moment and give gratitude. for this desire that grace has put in my heart. To be free. To ask for and receive clarity. And to allow the truth that we are to penetrate the the background den of mind and speak to us from our very own heart. practice of being aware of awareness can seem to be For me sometimes kind of maybe a little dry or a little conceptual my being, awareness, awareness is already here okay do I know that, do I, do I not and, and certainly there's an aspect of getting clear in our mind about what is and isn't But very quickly, there's a recognition that to be aware of awareness is to be in one part. To touch into the truth of what we are, this open, empty, expansive, non-judgmental, tender, loving, spacious, divine expression.
1: So for those of you that are participating in this live in this Zoom room and wish to have an open-eyed meditation for just a bit, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you the sunrise coming up. Just peeking over the trees. And the contemplation is. What allows this? What is it that gives birth to each new day? What is it that lets the softness of night fall? What is it that allows the birds to sing, the trees to grow, and us to long for freedom? What is it that allows this broad spectrum light at sunrise, at low angle sun, that nourishes every cell in our body, that charges up the mitochondria so that we can think clearer and sleep better and have this energetic flow more and more vibrantly? When we contemplate source, we open to the mystery. When we open to the mystery, we touch into the wonder, and when we touch into the wonder Many, many times we get even more than a glimpse of the freedom our hearts long for. Dr. Hawkins says joy flows continuously from the awareness on the source of our very existence. Joy flows continuously from the awareness on the source of our very existence. And the invitation is to see if it's available to let go a little or maybe a little more into the contemplation, the marveling, the wonder, the mystery of the source of our very existence and see if in our direct experience, we can confirm that joy in fact flows So NTI Ephesians teaches us this, right? What I think I see, what I see I experience. What I experience I think some more. And it says this process was actually made for joy this loop of experience is always available because as soon as we put attention on a thought, the brain sends signals that says manufacture the chemicals that bring up the feeling tone consistent with the thought. So when we put attention on awe and wonder, the source of our very existence, it's a physiological fait complete that the body follows the mind, And the body produces chemicals, literally produces chemical reactions and patternings that resonate joy. So when we contemplate how great thou art, when I, in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, your power throughout, the universe displayed. Then sings my soul. My savior God to thee, how great thou art. What song do we want our soul to sing today? what thoughts do we want to feed the great chemical reenactor, which is the body. It has stored every reaction, every emotion, every patterning. And we, the awareness, through the active arm of awareness, which is attention, are conducting the orchestra of the body's feeling tone. So we're actually looking at our power throughout the universe displayed. And my senses, the stronger the alignment of thy will with my will, the stronger, the clearer, the louder the orchestra plays. So we can check right now. We can really invite in the knowing of this experience in a very immediate sense. Do we have thoughts in the mind? For instance, <laughs> how today's going to go? How we're going to feel? what we're going to get done or not get done. Is mind already whispering? It's bad advice. In the words of Mary Oliver. And can we catch it? Can we catch the system orienting to thoughts that run in the background? Look right at those thoughts, thereby disconnecting from their hypnotic instruction to the body. I cannot let go of something I do not see I do not see that which I don't look for, listen for. And so a practice as simple as asking, what 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 is actually the thought stream right now? What are the subtle messages? The programmed Unconscious mind is sending the body, the big chemical reenactor. Because we say it's unconscious, that's not altogether true. It's more like faintly conscious, mildly conscious, intermittently audible. But my experience is if there is a desire and an intention to hear, the mind is all too happy to tell me every jack shit thought it's having. So then it comes down to the question, where's my attention? Am I being aware of awareness? Am I conscious of the awesome power that's constantly generated via the thought stream? Or have I fallen asleep for a little while? And the really exciting thing for me, this is like grace in action. The second I realize I've fallen asleep, I'm back. Unless, of course, I follow the thought stream that comes upon the recognition of having fallen asleep, which is self-recrimination, self-judgment. If I run with that, I'm actually going right back to sleep with it, almost like with a heavier sleeping pill, like a sedative. Or am I alert to that, awake to that thought stream and ready for an immediate pivot? So, the relaxing back and checking in right now. We can notice that the changeful, the sounds, the feelings in the body, thoughts in the mind, that's constantly vying for attention. Attention goes out, tastes, maybe stays out, maybe comes back. We can notice that. We can notice we don't have to do anything about that natural, curious, acquisitional nature of attention. Attention's nature is to acquire experience taste it, touch into it. It's so innocent. It's so natural. So in this practice, we are never trying to impede or interfere with what is. We are very, very curious about whether we can maintain an awareness that we are noticing what is. And we're even more interested in noticing when we get caught up in what is, and we don't notice for a little while. That's the mother load of harnessing the learning that comes with being aware of awareness. Noticing that the experience maybe we got lost in thought, but we can notice something saw that. No, it maybe didn't catch it at the time, but it sees it now. What is that? And if these words don't make any sense, maybe just wait for the next time you find yourself just lost in thought. You're just gone. (laughs) I don't don't know where you went. And then instead of running with the thought stream about how you've done something wrong and that's not meditating and what's wrong with you and you have the attention span of a gnat. Yeah, instead of all of that, glance back and just get curious about what noticed that, what saw that, what caught that, what's aware of that. And then we can ask ourselves, does that come and go, or is that constant? Does that change and morph, or is that changeless? In our own direct experience, not in some teaching by someone else that took the time to look. but in our own direct experience. <laughs> I was gonna say, God bless you to Reggie, but <laughs> Reggie knows God blesses him. <laughs> some things you just don't need to say. So mind has this crazy idea what meditation is and maybe even more particularly about what being aware of awareness is which is just some idea of like blanking out but not dissociating because we all know that's not what you do (laughs) but somehow uh, you know having some supernatural ability to literally blank out all of the what's happening and just focus back on that which knows to the exclusion of everything else. For what? It's never long enough, right? It's not just two minutes. No, no, it's not five minutes. No, no, like an hour. Or all those crazy time frames Michael Langford used to give, you know, hours and hours a day. And to the extent that that's listened to, believed, the body's gonna generate the chemicals that gives us the experience, what I think I see, what I see I experience of not doing it right, not being enough. And then we're gonna think those thoughts some more. And the only thing we're ever interested in here Is what hears that thought stream? What's aware of that patterning? Can we glimpse back? Is it available to glance in? And see for ourselves, something sees that. There is an awareness present, which is aware of that. See, so in a sense, we need the forgetting to have the experiential knowing of remembering. So viva la forgetting. And right alongside it, a more and more robust commitment to catching forgetting in the act and getting curious in that particular moment. That's the sweet spot where it's available to notice the conscious contrast, that which is happening and seems to be getting involved with versus that which sees it. So, the more relaxed we can get about this fundamental knowing that there is nothing to do, nothing to become, nothing to get right. It's actually the getting it's quote wrong that for me gives the juiciest slowest moving targets that lets me focus in and then glance back and say, what's constant here? What sees that? Is what sees it all tied up in the conflict? Is what sees it kind of appalled that I've forgotten? Does what see it sees it have, have any, any reactivity at all? Or does what sees it, just keep seeing it? What do I want? To teach myself today. We are always teaching ourselves something. What do I want to see today in action? What kind of deeper noticing. Am I priming. The mind to catch. Because. You know. I don't know if you've ever played with a. Reggie's not one of those dogs, but one of those dogs that's such a retriever, like you pick the ball up and the dog's like, ah, and then the second you throw it, the dog is already running. Had a dog like that for a bit, Harvey. And mind is like that. Show mind the ball. You want mind to retrieve all day long. And in this practice, the ball that we want mind to retrieve is, is what sees this whole thing playing out constant? Or does it come and go? Maybe I'll just read a little bit from inner Ramana to Give mind something to pay attention to. As heart practices checking to see if what hears this, what knows this is constant. Oh. And this is a uh, little s slash capital S self inquiry. Today I'd like to speak more on self-inquiry. We are introducing two inquiries, lowercase self-inquiry and capital self-inquiry. The two are not the same. I will begin today by talking about lowercase self-inquiry. Lowercase self inquiry is questioning the false I in order to recognize that it isn't truth. It isn't you. It is merely attachment to the mind. As little as self-inquiry, makes the false I, capital S, self-evident? As self-inquiry makes the false I, self-evident? It is the decision of capital S, self. It is the decision of self that breaks the attachment to mind and lays the current story to rest. as little less self inquiry, is repeated over and over again. The attachment to mind is weakened just as the scratch of a razor blade weakens the strength of a rope. Eventually the razor blade works its way completely through the rope and the attachment to mind is broken completely. Some will also call this shining the light of awareness on an idea that is dark. When the light shines, it is darkness that disappears. All of that was about little s, self-inquiry, the imposter self. This next section is about capital S, self-inquiry. Capital S, self-inquiry is different. Capital self-inquiry is a form of devotion where you Incessantly seek the familiar, like seeking the familiar arms of the one you love. And you do not cease the seeking until you find her and are fully in her embrace, assured that you can never lose her again. This is the purpose of capital S self-inquiry. It is seeking for the one you know. So again, capital self-inquiry is a form of devotion where you incessantly seek the familiar. Like seeking the familiar arms of the one you love. And you do not cease the seeking until you find her and are fully in her embrace. Assured that you never lose her again. This is the purpose of capital S Self-Inquiry. It is seeking for the one you know. The one you know is the one that's constant. the one you know, is the constancy you seek. The tricky part, is underscored in this very sentence, which points to clarity, right? Again, capital S self-inquiry is a form of devotion where you incessantly seek the familiar. For many of us, It is not the loving arms of the constant of the self of the truth that is most familiar. For many of us, it's the judgy arms of the false self of the egoic thoughts, patternings, feelings that are most familiar. So when mind gets in there and tells us that what's most familiar to us is what's mostly constant, it can get very confusing because the programming, the patterning, the conditioning has a very strong physiological bias towards what is most familiar, what's most practiced, what is most constant in our actual experience. And this is where this path requires a, more than a little devoted self-honesty. Another way of saying this is that this path towards truth is reprogramming what the mind recognizes as familiar. Reprogramming the ball we wave before mind and say, fetch this all day long. We don't want to fetch grievance. We don't want to fetch being right. We don't want to fetch feeling like a victim. We don't want to fetch fears. our counselor. Safety is our only safe harbor. But for many of us, those are going to be most familiar until we start breaking that familiarity. The very, very good news is that the natural intelligence that we are and this emotional feedback system of the body <laughs> tells us right away when the familiar is not what's true. So we're developing a new pattern. We're reprogramming to seek for what feels true, what feels lighter, what feels more open, more relaxed, more loving. And we know immediately, we may get caught up and override it the pull of conditioning may have too much steam. It may There may be karmic merit in acting it out one more time, getting another opportunity to have the conscious contrast. Because <laughs> it's only in seeking what is truly constant that allows us to live this devotion. And that's why little self-inquiry comes in first. Because by breaking the addiction to what is familiar to the imposter self, little s self, by continually taking the razor blade and making little cuts in that rope, We are undermining this familiarity and we are slowly rising in vibration, training the body to fetch what feels good and to not run after the balls that bring us almost immediately into constriction. the false attachment to mind is nothing more than the false attachment to the familiarity of mind. And in those moments where we're catching in the act false attachment to mind, to familiarity in that very moment we can stay conscious to the moment we're priming the pump to have it be available to glance back and say what notices this whole scene playing out even as the characters doing their thing. Is that constant? Because I'm interested in getting more and more familiar with what's truly constant. That's what I want. That's what I want to feel. That's what I want to know. That's my true desire. As Inner Ramana says, it's a desire, a devotion that remains awake in you until the goal is satisfied. But it's a, it's a resolving for true satisfaction. That allows these temporary, changeful, false attachments to be seen for what they are. And to let them pass by without grooving them deeper. Which is what we do every time we act them out. So we come right back to, what is it we really want? Are we clear about what we really want? Do we really want it? And the paradoxical aspect for me is, (laughs) somehow, even as the doubts are there about whether I can get it, it's truly wanting it in the face of those doubts that brings with it the clarity, the motivation, the courage, and the determination to remain awake to the desire in me until the goal is satisfied. It's in the same chapter that Regina shares with inner wisdom, NTI John. She writes, as I read, I saw this excerpt clearly describes the answer to little S self-inquiry. And it also describes the destination of capital S self-inquiry. Here is that excerpt. The light is with man. And the light is in man. but the light is not known by man unless he welcomes it. Each man welcomes the light by his own choice, and according to his own choice. But to know the light fully, one must welcome it fully. When a man welcomes the light fully, he ceases to be a man. And he becomes the light. For the light is a presence that denies the existence of man. It knows only the light. When a man becomes the light, he is the light, and he sings to all men of the light. As he knows, there is only light. that concludes our hour